Hello, everybody, and welcome to Numbers on the Boards, presented by Bedgear. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me, as always, is Skin Wade. Skin, Ooh. what's up? Man, it has been a very, um, uh, very unique and sad and kind of deflating last 48 hours or so. And I've noticed that it's impacted basketball people and it's impacted just everyday folk. And everybody seems to be engaging with this Kobe tragedy with his daughter and the other folks that were on that helicopter um, in one way or another. But I think since we work so closely with basketball, it's probably impacting us, you know, more than others. And then obviously, you know, I've seen said Sabalos on the uh, pre and post game show who had a personal relationship with Kobe and I think by now probably a lot of Maverick fans saw what the story Jason Terry told on pregame mm. of the Oklahoma City game. So I think like even when I kind of stop thinking about it for 30 or 45 minutes, something else comes up that reminds me of just how sudden and, and, and tragic it was. And I think it's just sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, the looming specter of it for the last 48 hours has been a lot to handle. Yeah, it really has just been everywhere you look. It's I only work for one team, and I've only been around this for a few years now, and it's still everywhere I look, I see somebody that has a Kobe story or that yeah. grew up watching him or that played against him or, that you know, whatever. I mean, it's just – he was a titan for sure. We, um, we're, we're doing this after the Phoenix loss. Yes. And it was a devastating loss from the standpoint of, man, they got hammered uh, from the jump and then kind of got back into it. And then the third quarter was about as brutal as it gets. Did you know that was the most points Mavericks have ever given up in a quarter? Really? 48. I was going to look that up, but I don't like looking up depressing stuff. They had 40. They gave up 48 the last time. It was uh, that they gave up 47 in Chicago, not to within the last couple of years in a wow. quarter. How about this? Uh, so we'll talk about the game for a little bit mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about Kobe and, you know, just see where that goes. But, um, Tonight they gave up uh, what 133 points. That sounds right. Moving them to five and 57 all time when allowing at least 130 in regulation. Holy so that's, cow, that's, that's a stat. It's a losing number. That is a losing number. No matter what era you play in. Now I will say the last game they won. Do you do you know when that was? Um, in regulation. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't. Is it, it this year? It couldn't be 130 in regulation and then go to overtime. So the game ends in regulation. Uh, I don't know. Last season's home opener against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, wow. 140 to 136. With the game winner from Dennis Smith Jr. Yep. How about that? That was uh, probably the high point of last season. (laughs) (laughs) And then everything (laughs) went in the dumper. Yeah. Uh, So, um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, Rick had talked after the game in the post game press conference, um, was like, hey, these games happen in the NBA. And, but I don't know that you can just do that. And I noticed he was late coming to his press conference. I don't know what kind of discussions they that had. That had to be something because we have a bunch of German fans in the crowd here to see Maxi, and we, I was up in the press box for a while after the game, and he did not come out. Did you When he did go out, did you see? No, because I was down here. He like, went out, and I could see because we, we do the, the post-game show from the Platinum Level Club and mm-hmm. the stadium. The arena is behind us, and it was empty. And then, you know, we hear Chris Arnold. We look over there. And Maxi walks out there with Dirk, who was here. Yeah. Um, because of because Dirk's only this is only the third time he's been here this year, right? Yep. His first loss in front of him. And he wanted to be here, obviously, because of the Kobe stuff, and Kobe meant so much to to him. But uh, you know, one of the things that Rick was talking about after the game was, well, you can't. I don't think you can just say it's one of those games because these games do happen. Mm. They've been very rare for the Mavericks in the last couple of years, especially to this year. They have three losses. Follow up with something about this. They have uh, the what is it? The Lakers loss and the Clippers loss and 
I think the other Lakers lost. The other Lakers lost, yep. And there was Boston ended up being by double digits, but it was close. It was was like a two-point game with four minutes left. So we haven't had this kind of a game. Mm -hmm. Although the Clipper game kind of felt like this, but not really like this where everything just went And there were other games like the Kings were up 25 at the half, but the Mavs had a chance to tie it inside the final three seconds. So I'm kind of dancing around this whole idea of – you know, the Mavericks run this road trip, and then the first game back when it's the second night of a back-to-back feels like the road trip. And in the middle of the road trip, they had the horrible news on Sunday. And then, um, you know, I was talking to another uh, member of the organization that had mentioned that a player, a former player, Archibald, had you know passed away on Saturday that had had some ties to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that story sort of got buried yeah. um, because of what happened with, with Kobe and his daughter and the, the people on the team that were with him. And so that makes for a heavy weekend. Mm. And obviously, you know, you saw last night at Oklahoma City, you know, Luca went to his own part of the floor. And I'm sure you saw the picture with Boban with his arm mm. around him. And, 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 you know, there's so many things to talk about with Kobe. But one of the things that struck me last night during the postgame shows are doing that. And I'm not criticizing reporters. I'm not. Uh, but do we really need a life perspective from a 20-year-old? Do we? No. I mean, you know, Luca never looked up because mm. he's devastated. And I'm watching that and I'm going, man, that guy is six years older than my ninth grade daughter. And it and and a bunch of reporters want to get. Hey, tell me the meaning of life, Luca. Mm. Like the whole world is hurting right now. Give me the meaning of life, Luca. And it's I get it. People are doing their jobs, and everyone's chasing a soundbite. But man, Luca doesn't need to be processing that stuff right now. I mean, everyone is devastated by this. Mm. You know, let let LeBron speak about it. And by the way, LeBron took his time, and then you know had an Instagram post, and then the Clippers and the Lakers didn't play tonight. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, we can all speculate on why CP three didn't play last night, but I think we know. And so this is heavy. And so to turn, Hey, 20 year old, come give us your thoughts on, on devastating tragedies right after a game. Like what what are we doing right now, man? Yeah, It's very weird. This whole kind of thing is sort of turned into either people wanting to tell you how much it affects them personally Mm -hmm. or other people trying to get you to tell them how much it affects you personally. It's just this very weird thing of, I don't know. I I, I, I agree with you. Luca is not at the age where he can talk about anything really with any sense of overarching perspective or anything because he's just so young yeah. you know and also it's it's very emotional too i mean it's, yes. it's extremely emotional but and he's speaking english as a third language was well, like a fifth language a th- yeah i mean but yeah it's it's very i don't know it's very bizarre but then again you know it, I, I i don't know i'm not again i'm not i'm not i know the job I, mm. I work in media i understand the job but i'm just like at some point i'm like man can everybody just grieve? Mm. You know, and, and it's funny because uh, – not it's not funny. It's ironic, I should say. Mm. Uh, I have a job where I'm supposed to talk about these things, and I'm really happy that I'm not on the radio right now because the moments where, for work reasons, I've had to talk about it, I'm immediately deflated. Mm. And, like, I have zero energy, and I'm sad, and I'm depressed. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, have to give perspective on this because there is no – I mean, we can talk about what Kobe meant and those things, but this is just a horrible tragedy. Yeah, it's dude, it's sad for me, and and I'll be whatever. I'll be the first to say it's kind of like um, my 
connection, or not, I don't have a connection to Kobe personally at all, but my sort of relationship with Kobe as a basketball fan over the years is kind of like that scene in Anchorman of all movies where I think it's like Vince Vaughn that says, you know, I hate you, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> God damn it, I respect you. That's, <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about Kobe. I never, I never liked him as a player. Yeah. I, am, I didn't know, like I'm the style th- in which he yeah, played. I'm a staunch, I don't like mid-range fadeaway pass the ball i mm-hmm. didn't like the triangle phil jackson is super into himself i don't like the lakers you yep. know i don't like lakers fans yep i'm not even that crazy about Shaq. you yep. know like just i wasn't a big fan of it i thought the pau gasol trade was lame i'm happy david stern overturned the cp3 like i'm a i'm a kobe hater i guess you could yeah. say not only like take i don't take joy in his losses or anything but i just didn't like him right but uh he was an incredible player and anytime you beat the Lakers, it felt cool and it felt great. And anytime the Lakers beat you, it felt terrible because it was always because of Kobe. Yeah. And he's just this, he was amazing. He was just an amazing, amazing athlete. And so, um, not even talking about what he did after he retired. I mean, I'm just talking about up until 2011, whenever the Mavs swept him, yes. I was, it made sweeping them very, very sweet. Because I took I, I great never liked joy. Yeah, it was great awesome. joy in that. Yeah. And so I'm not going to pretend or do this performance art thing where I, I was a huge fan of him for his whole life because I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in his career, whenever he kind of, I don't know, it, it, we kind of saw the same thing with Dirk. At some point you just reach the age and your team fading out from competitive relevance certainly makes it easier to where suddenly it's the game isn't even as important as it once was. It's more about just enjoying the moment and everything. Yeah. And uh, even as the Lakers kind of devolved into this irrelevant, like heaping mess and, Kobe's numbers went way south because, you know, they were just chucking up shots all the time. He became kind of a statesman. And then, of course, he retired and becomes, like, the coolest dad ever. Yeah. And just a huge advocate for basketball, men's men's basketball, women's basketball, college, high school, youth, coaching his daughter's team. I mean, he just seems – he seemed like a really – just a really cool guy. Um, very much like Dirk. Just his life was not – even though he was singularly focused on basketball and maniacally so and almost to like to a fault and and it was certainly you know not always great during his career um there was a lot more to him and there was a lot more that he had interest in than just basketball yeah and so it's a shame that I got cut short because for example earlier today I met with uh some of Dirk's uh foundation people just about some of the things that he's doing you know in the next like 6 months and the mm-hmm. list is just like there's he's doing like 50 things wow appearances uh fundraisers stuff for his own foundation of course the baseball game the tennis thing and everything but he's going on he's dude he's going on some trips i can't even say it because it's like high level like it's it's, i I gotta tell you later but um kobe was going to do all of that stuff too in addition to fun things in addition to raising his kids and in addition to Turning Gianna into, because you know Kobe was going to have a hand in it, turning her into the GOAT, too. Yeah, yeah. It was just really, really cool to kind of see how uh, more than just as a basketball player and as a competitor, he sort of showed and demonstrated that it's cool to be kind of a renaissance man and that, you know, you can, as an athlete, you can be way more than an athlete, not in a businessman sense, but just in in a citizen of the world kind of thing where you can be... You can speak different languages. You yeah. can be really into movies. You can be really into coaching kids. You can be really into being a dad. Like all of these things that we don't associate with basketball players, he sort of grew to represent. And I'm just really, I'm really upset 
you know, this is selfish, I guess, but also just for the greater good for the great for the NBA and for the good of obviously his family and friends and everything. Just it would have been really cool to see him carry that on. And especially as someone who is so close to Dirk, Dirk is kind of doing the same thing. And I just feel I, I feel really, really sad that we we don't get an opportunity to see what he was going to do with the next 20, 30 years of his life. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you dropped a lot there and there's a lot to, yeah, I'm to sorry. no, it's okay <laughs> because I, I'm with you on all of it. I, I did not enjoy the style or the manner with which Kobe got his. Now the, there have been people uh, that have changed my feeling on this. And really I'm, I'm about to get into some like psychological bullshit rant, but uh, not rant, but analysis. Cause I'm very interested in this. Mm-hmm. I heard you talk about this on the broadcast. I think uh, the other night. Okay. Is this the Michael Young stuff or is no, this? No, 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 no. Actually, okay. never mind. Okay. Well, uh, no, that, but, but um, you know, so I have grown to really appreciate and love Kobe coming back from Achilles Scoring 60 his final night. And, you know, it wasn't for the good of the team. It was for the good of Kobe. Mm. Okay, so there's that. But it is astonishing that he was able to do it. It's astonishing that he was able to do those things at that age after Achilles and drop 60 and then go in there in the press conference and answer questions in four or five different languages. Mm. So we start to kind of get into this idea of, what an extraordinary human he was and the way that he was wired. And one of the things that kind of turned my dislike for Kobe, and it was a sports dislike. I didn't know the guy personally. Mm. And quite frankly, people that uh, had had interactions with him, they were always very positive interactions. Mm. Like people that work at arenas and stuff, they've all got very nice things to say about Kobe. And a guy Dwayne Price had great things to say about Kobe. Who's that? Dwayne, just as a member of the media. Just yeah, not yep, yep, LA yep. media. Just Ma- and another guy who adores him, who I hold in the highest regard is Mark Stein. Yeah. And so uh there's 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 the okay, him as a sports figure and how I feel about that, especially always hating the Lakers and you know, this, that, and the other. But the way that athletes that play at a very, very high level in other sports talk about Kobe and the reverence with which they hold him really changed the way I felt about yeah, it. Yeah, this is, this is what I was talking and, about. And really start getting into this whole psychological thing of when you're the – because it's a sport of alphas, Right. But when you get to the very tip top of that and there's one guy or two or three guys that's kicking everybody's ass, it's more than the gift that God gave them because there's a lot of these guys that very minimal ability or or margin separates them athletically. And so then we start getting into how people are wired and their drive and what they're able to compartmentalize to achieve something and their work ethic and, and, you know, they're one of the reasons Kobe and Dirk loved one another, and they did, and it's very evident, is because they had a unique drive to succeed at all costs. And to know that Kobe was texting Dirk during the 2011 finals encouraging him, that's a really – that guy eliminated him in resounding yeah, fashion. I think it was the first sweep of Kobe's career, right? I don't know. That doesn't surprise me. I believe it was. But that, that might not and, be true. And, that might and, not be true. And so you start thinking – I start thinking about these other things. And for me, a person that's very special to me, like 
uh, I'm just happy to consider him. I do consider him a friend because he talks to me like I'm a friend. That's Michael Young. And you were there when I did the podcast yep. with him, so you know what kind of guy he is. He grew up in California, and he's a hardcore Laker fan. Hardcore Laker fan. And he idolizes Kobe. And Kobe's younger than him, I think. I think Michael's like wow. 43. They're about the same age. Yeah. But he idolizes him, okay? And, and we would have these discussions about, you know, part of it has to do with, you know, when you're raising kids, you see how kids behave and, you know, talking about that drive and you don't want to, you don't want to beat the dog out of them, you know, even if they have a bad attitude and some of these different kinds of things. But the way that he would talk about Kobe and how Kobe approached every single moment of competition has a guy like Michael Young, who is the all time hit leader in the history of a franchise in awe of that person. Think about that. He played with A-Rod. Beltray, he's friends with Dirk. He's in awe of Kobe Bryant, who age-wise is a contemporary of him. Mm. And so then you really start, you know, looking at this thing, going, okay, now what is it that makes this titan of awesomeness look at this other guy in this super high reverential tone? They conceivably are on similar planes in terms of, you know, Michael didn't win five freaking rings, but you know what I'm saying. Like they've operated at super high levels. But Michael just looked at him these ways. And so I start looking at Kobe as personalities. Well, then you look at how and what an astonishingly intelligent person he is. He's freaking ridiculously smart. Yeah. The way he processes things, the way he sees things, his aptitude for stuff, his ability to immediately embrace the art of filmmaking. Uh, I'm done with basketball. Okay, I'm going to win an Academy Award now. Yeah. Like we're talking about some ridiculous Psycho psychology and intelligence and drive and makeup that goes beyond man what a badass basketball player mm. you start talking about these things on these different levels and you know it's hard for me to just look the, the thing I think that has gutted me or floored me is I don't look at Kobe as just a basketball player and we he has been so very humanized in the last two or three years post basketball and especially all of this footage of him with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And that is really just changed the way, like my wife was sobbing on, she doesn't watch the Lakers play. She doesn't care about Kobe Bryant, the basketball, she doesn't give a crap. She was sobbing, you know, because it's, it's family and it's, uh, it's like Tiger Woods called it harsh. And when, when he walked off the 18th green, did you see the footage of him learning? I did not. I Dude, saw the interview that he gave, but he not walked thing. off the 18th green. Okay, and his cat I saw it on Sports Center last night. His caddy goes, "I have something really shocking to tell you about Kobe Bryant. He just died," and 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 Tiger's walking. He goes to sign his card. He goes, "Excuse me, what?" And then five minutes later, he's conducting an interview about it. Mm -hmm. Think, I mean, it's and that's crazy. But the word he used was, "This is so harsh." And that's, that's what it is. It's mm. tragic. It's sad. There's a lot of lives involved in this. There's all the families. But it was just so harsh and unexpected. And then, like, well, what am I supposed to do now? How do I go on with this? And so, you know, we, because of our job, we've talked about this. But, you know, I have a feeling when we're done with this podcast, dude, I'm going to just be deflated again. Yeah. Because it's just so much it's sad to, to talk about man i mean the last video that we see of the guys of him at the game with his daughter i mean yeah that's just did, did you hear what the, what jet said uh i mean i don't know i've uh, seen uh, a lot of the i mean i don't, I don't so know so um i've seen him talking about how his 
his daughter's team. And I, I'm I'm a little like uh, murky on this uh, because uh, you know I saw what he did on the air, but before he went on the air, me, him, and Dana and Dell and Clark, the producer of Mavs Live, were all sitting in the office talking before we went on the okay. air. It was good to see Dell talk too. It was great to see Dell talk, and and I had originally said, hey, why don't you guys take me off the show tonight because I, you know, we have people that know Kobe. Mm-hmm. Let's, let you know. Um, but, the, you know, we do have to talk some basketball too. And I think for Dell's schedule, it worked out perfect for Dell to do that and then leave. And then I needed to do halftime and, and postgame or whatever. But um, uh, so Jet was telling us that, and I don't think this was on the air, the uncle of one of the girls – that was un- that died in that crash, found out that his niece just died when Jet told him inside that building. No way. Right? And that that is so much. Yeah. That is so much. Mm. Yeah. I mean these are these are kids we're talking about, man. And I'm gonna take a smoke break. And okay. that's I, I just mean, I just packed I just smoked a uh, whole pack of cigarettes. Oh my god! Yeah, it's very unhealthy. Yeah, sorry about it's, that. It's it's just that makes it I don't know. It just makes it so much more real. You know what I mean? It's we're I mean, all these are children. We're, yeah, it's, it's children. we're all attached to this by basketball, but like none of this is about basketball. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, all of this is about basketball, but none of this is about it's basketball not at all. I mean, because that's the thing. It's it's not just a basketball player. It's a basketball player and his daughter. Right. It's a retired basketball player and his daughter and her friends and their parents. And and she was fervent about basketball. Yeah. And did you see what the Yukon girls? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was, like, I did. God, it, was uh, it was beautiful and yeah. so sad. I it's mean, just, man, it's just so hard to process all of yeah. it. It's very, very, very sad. And, uh, yeah, uh, Kobe was a very, again, this is just without knowing him, but you spend enough time around anything and you – feel like you know people you right know, especially someone as public as as Kobe was there was just nothing that was inauthentic about him and this is a day and age where it's very very easy to just be fake you yeah know, and just pretend just play pretend for a living and and and, be, and he was okay with people not liking it yeah and that's which I that's that's a part of this whole psychology thing that amazes me Michael Jordan world-class asshole mm. But then you look at someone like Magic Johnson or LeBron James, fantastic competitors, and those guys are dying to be loved. Mm. And so, you know, it's just, uh, it's also unique and interesting to me to see these people at the highest level and then just start, you know, kind of analyzing their personalities. And I know, like, part of this, I'm thinking about Danny Ainge and the brain doctor, you know, that whole routine, mm. the yeah. brain types. Yeah. Um, and thinking about those things. And boy, it seems from the outside that Kobe was so much like Michael Jordan, but my God, Kobe has been, to me at least, from my perspective, so much more lovable and likable as a person after basketball. Mike still seems to exist in this other realm. There's this degree of separation. Right, but, right. Yeah, I mean, Kobe's interest in culture, not necessarily pop culture. I mean, art. You, yeah, just, just, I don't know, just life. Different, different kind of arenas of life, but... Global perspective. Yeah, and whatever he was going to do, he was going to do it, and he was going to do it unapologetically, and I think that's just very admirable because there are a lot of athletes who just are not they're gonna do something because they like think it would look cool to do it they're that's not, not good for my brand bro yeah yeah and it's 
it's I, I don't know. It's like he's very just he became very invested in anything that he did. Obviously, yeah. basketball yes. was basketball was his thing forever. You know, mm-hmm. so much so that dear basketball is literally just about how like you are my life, but I can't do you anymore. Which that in its of itself is very sad. Yeah, and that's part of the reason it won an Oscar. Yeah, um, you know that could so easily become a tragic story. This guy who was so narrow mindedly focused on basketball for. 35 38 years i mean and what happens when you take it away from him you, you know what though you know what though uh bobby about that too is i think that's also uh revelatory about how brilliant he is because as a just as a thinker because you know earlier in this podcast we're talking about lucas supposed to have some sort of perspective at 20 you know there's been plenty of sports stories about athletes and how they're affected but for kobe to think through that and think through that and then articulate it in that way as it's happening to him. Because that's not something you just throw together after, you know, it's done. Oh, yeah. There's no. years of him thinking about that and how he feels about that and his relation to that. That's that's a that's a different level of thought than what your average badass athlete is putting yeah, into. And, I mean, he, he knew, you know, he announced earlier in the season that he was going to retire. And so he did a lot of sit-down interviews talking about that and, you know, kind of – you know, saying the generic stuff, I'm looking forward to life on the other side, whatever. But there was also just a sense of honesty about it. Like, you know, I'm, it's going to be weird, but I'm going to do it. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's the same sort of Frank thing that, that Dirk kind of expresses. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just going to happen. But I, I don't know. It's so easy to, it's almost like a devastating thing. It's like the, you know, an athlete dies twice. Right. And sometimes there are players who, when their career ends, you almost can't blame them. It's like just a, their, so does their being. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of their 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 purpose for existence. The reason that they're here has been taken away from them, and what is left. Hey, but you're right, and and uh, and psychologically for those athletes, it's very hard to to deal with. But there are certain guys like I love this bit that Harp keeps saying. He goes, "Man, Dirk is living his best life right now." Yeah, and, and there are guys who find that. And yeah. Kobe definitely, definitely found that. And I was, you know, I'm, I was 25 whenever he retired. It's not like I was some, you know, high class person or, you know, genius or anything. But whenever someone is that driven, his whole life's purpose was to be Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. What happens when you can't be that anymore? Right. What are you going to do? And so right. a part of you is wondering, man, what is he going to do? Like, is he just going to fade away? I mean, no, he was immediately Winning an Oscar, yeah, <laughs> like eight months crazy, later. Crazy. I mean, it was like, yeah, th- he's I'm already done. an elite filmmaker. Yeah, because and I, and I say, okay, well, you're scum. Dude, he won an Oscar. Yeah, and it was good. It's yeah. not like a fake Oscar no. because he's Kobe. Right. That is a that is obviously it's much more beautiful now. But at the time, it was that's a beautiful piece of art that he, I, that he produced. I was thinking too. So before the game, you know, Rick got asked more Kobe questions, and it, it's exhausting to keep talking about this. Mm. And, you know, Rick Kay's like, uh, you know, I just talked about this yesterday, but he wants to be reverential about it. And he said, you know, Kobe lived his life like how we all wished we would live our life to him, you know, and he's basically saying to embrace everything that you do with such ferocity and intensity and drive that it leads to excellence continuous excellence in several fields. You know, Rick is a guy that's taught himself how to play. I'm sorry, I'm sorry taught himself how to fly uh, a plane. He's a guy that taught himself 
how to play piano. And he's like a master be- at it because he had a red shirt year before he went to Virginia. Because that's what all college kids do, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, hey, does he know how to party or what? Um, but that that's like looking at different, what am I capable of as a human? Like, what can I do next? And in the middle of all of this, we're talking about filmmaking, acumen, and obviously uh, intellectual curiosity and these things, he is excelling at being a dad, mm. too, which is what most people, that's the most relatable thing. Can I start a family and just not be a crappy parent? Can I give my kid a chance to and go as do what they? As a billionaire, it's so easy not to. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, do you know what they do? They go live these extravagant lifestyles, and they live and they're disconnected from their kids. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people that were I know that were quote unquote born into money that had these separate lives from their parents. Mm. You know, um, but he was going to make sure that that wasn't him, and that's. I don't know, more than anything, I, one of my favorite just kind of developments in the NBA over the last, I don't know, five, ten years has been some of the very, very best players are being very publicly awesome dads, which I think is so cool because a lot of these guys, I, I don't know about all the details about Kobe's upbringing, but we know stories about LeBron's. A lot of these guys grow up with either fractured or distant or non-existent relationships with mm-hmm. their dads. Yeah. And I think that them so openly embracing fatherhood and not in a fake way, like in a real way, yeah, is so, some of like the most wholesome but also just important and you, you valuable do, thing that I, they, I wa- they could do. I want people to know this. Um, there would be times as a player where the Mavericks would get home from a West Coast road trip at 2.30 in the morning and then you land and you get your bags and you go home. And then you put your head on the pillow at 3, 3.30. Maybe you could sleep, maybe not. There's a lot of stories that I know of where Jet landed, went home, and was at his girls' basketball games at 7 a.m. Mm. That, that very next morning, in season, that dude is an awesome dad. Yep. And, you know, one of the reasons he saw Kobe, you know, dude, when he got the news, he was waiting to see Kobe. Mm. That's when he got he the news. There. He was there. But he was there because of his dedication to the girls. Mm. Uh, Jet's an incredible dad, uh, and wasn't didn't start becoming an incredible dad after his career. He was an incredible dad the whole time. Mm. And you know, I've seen you know we go on these road trips and stuff. You know, people have family and a lot of people around. Well, you know, Jet was one of these guys uh, that came from you know a broken home or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he rebuilt that relationship with his dad, and his dad was right there with him all along. And Jet felt a responsibility to be the patriarch of the whole family, right, and help this cousin go to college. and help. Th- I mean, the guy is freaking extraordinary, mm-hmm. like a elite, top-notch level human. But when you were talking about that, I couldn't help but think about Jet. Like, d- he was that dad while playing. That is so hard for these guys to do. Mm-hmm. He played at a high level, hit just balls out, Nut busting championship level shots, and then scurried home to be dad as quick as he could. Awesome, which is so awesome. So awesome. And like uh, L. Duncan, I think on ESPN gave that oh the that oh, monologue man. yesterday. That was being a girl dad. Yeah, he's the coach of the Lady Jets. Yeah, and you know, and 
you think of Steph Curry and Riley, and everyone was kind of over Riley a couple years ago because the press conferences just got out of control because she's just grabbing the mic and everything. It was that was the coolest thing ever, dude. If that was my life, I'd do that. If you're in the NBA, bring your kid around all the time. Like whenever JJ's son is out there shooting, and yes, it's just it is the it's my favorite thing. Yep, I mean. It's cool, man. Yeah, it's you know, and awesome. hey, and uh, I just know it just doesn't seem to me. I'm not on the crazy inside or anything. It just doesn't seem to me that that sort of stuff is, you know, adversely affects this organization. They like the family aspect. Yeah, of absolutely, it. absolutely. And I mean, you always know this. I've known forever. Everyone loves Kobe, right? Players. I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Players. Oh my God! Like they hold I, him in worship the, the highest guy. regard. Worship the guy. Yes. And I, a big part of you too is just whenever something like this happens it's like if you know if you if a friend's family member passes away or you know something if if someone that you're tangentially connected to sure Mm -hmm. you know passes then you feel it imagine if it's 450 people's idol you know right and these are guys that i may not have met never met kobe but i spend every day around luca and so you know, I just want to like wrap my arms around those guys and just give them a big hug. You know, it's, I'm I'm sad for them. Yeah, me I'm too. sad because they're sad, but I'm mostly I'm sad for them because my hero has never passed away. My parents have never passed away, um, but theirs has. Yeah, their their basketball, their life icon, their career icon, the guy that they grew up watching. Many of them, the reason that they picked up a basketball in the first place. Is because of Kobe. Yeah, and so my I'm my I'm heartbroken for them. Yeah, I don't even care about myself. I'm yeah. sad for Luca. I'm sad for KP. I'm sad for Tim Hardaway. Delon Wright grew up in LA. I'm sad for Delon. He grew up watching Kobe. Right. And there are guys around the world. I mean, KP talked about this. I th- I think it was KP. It might have been Luca, but I, I'm pretty sure it was KP. You grew up in Europe, sure. You watch Dirk, but Kobe is the guy. That I was mean, his favorite player. Yeah. Ten years ago, when these guys are. 10, 12 years old playing basketball for the first time. Kobe's winning championships. Okay, okay. so so how old is DeLon? 27? Uh, yes. So yeah. think about that. Growing up in L.A., DeLon Wright never knew basketball without Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Kobe is DeLon's Dirk. Yes. Think about it that way. Yeah. And growing up there and then getting to play in the league against him, DeLon was a rookie Kobe's last season. Had to be the coolest moment of his life. Mm-hmm. And Luca. A month ago, meeting Kobe and Gigi at that game had and to be the coolest thing. Kobe talks to him in Slovenian. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing your native tongue, which, by the way, it's not a particularly pervasive world language. No. You don't learn. You did play with Vujicic, but still, to remember, Vujicic was on the Lakers in 2009. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and to turn and the person saying it to you is Kobe F. and Bryant. Come on, man. Oh, by the way, my daughter worships you. We take a picture with my daughter. Come on, man. And in the in the moment, I mean, Luca posted the one of the photos of him and Gigi, and obviously the ones of him and Kobe. And JJ posted that photo of him and Kobe. And like, I don't know if it's right now, but I know at some point, five, ten, thirty years from now, Luca is going to be so happy that we got video of him talking with Kobe yeah, and video of him meeting Gigi and just that entire afternoon that it, and I'm very happy already that we got that because it's just, it's extraordinary. It's just frozen in time. You it, know? it is. It is one of the, de- the, the depressing things about all this. And I thought about it. Kobe was so good 
in his uh, press conference after his final game. Can you imagine how good his Hall of Fame speech would have been? Oh, it would have been incredible. It would have been incredible. It would have been incredible. And that's an experience that we're robbed of. But more yeah. importantly, he's robbed of the experience of, of going into it. the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And that's – Yeah. I, I don't I don't know for him if that would have matched winning his first championship or his fifth championship. I'm not sure how he would even view the Hall of Fame. But that's something that every elite athlete should get the chance to do, and he never get the chance to do it. He doesn't get to see his statue outside of Staples. Yeah. I mean, there's so many life experiences with his family, but even though his basketball playing career was over – the book of his basketball life wasn't done yet. You yeah. know, there were still the last couple chapters that he was going to be able to experience. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, I was thinking about is like how many lives it affects just financially because he is a true titan of industry. He was going to create a lot of jobs for a lot of people, Yeah, and they were all going to flourish. Yeah. But it's, it's just, God, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it is It is all just Dude, so Well, and think of much. like... Rob Palinka is the Lakers general manager. He was Kobe's agent for almost his entire career. Okay, this this is a, an interesting place to go to, too. And I, I brought this up on the pregame show tonight because Michael Young had brought it up to me. And uh, did you see LeBron James's Instagram post? I did. I did. All right, there's one particular thing. Uh, I had not seen it. And Michael and I were texting this morning. He goes, have you seen LeBron's post yet? And I was like, no, I haven't. He directed it to me specifically with this in mind. Uh, This part here where it says, I promise you I'll continue your legacy, man. You mean so much to us all here, especially hashtag Laker Nation. And it's my responsibility to put this S on my back and keep it going. Please give me the strength from the heavens above and watch over me. I got us here. Okay, and that, that's a small part of that. But I, I couldn't help but think about, and, and Michael was the one that put this in perspective for me. So he started talking about LeBron and LeBron's legacy, all right, and the challenges that LeBron has taken on, right? How hard is it to be the first player picked as a teenager and then in your hometown, and you got to represent this hometown that is a downtrodden hometown that never The worst went. sports city in America. In America. And you've got that responsibility. Then he comes back and he delivers the championship. Career made. Eight straight trips to the finals. Championship. Then he chooses to go to the Lakers, knowing full well what that means. Like, he doesn't have to take on another challenge. And what Michael brought up was Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain went to the Lakers at the end of his career. His best days were behind him. His numbers retired as the Laker because they won. LeBron knows, he knows that if he goes to the Lakers, he has to win. Because if it doesn't, if he doesn't, and he knows this, it tarnishes his, his image. Mm-hmm. It tarnishes his legacy. So at the age of 34, however old he was when he went, he takes on one less, one, one more gigantic challenge. And this was a Laker team that had sucked. Mm. Okay, now they had some good young players, players I loved. I love Brandon Ingram. Yeah. And I've hey, I've been on record for years saying I love Brandon Ingram. I'm not just <laughs> sticking my chest out now yeah, that he's yeah, doing yeah. it. I loved Brandon Ingram. Mm. Always have. I still love Lonzo Ball. But but anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. So what Michael's point is, is that he knew going there that he was taking on a tremendous burden to deliver 
to the greatest franchise in sports because if he doesn't, he failed. Does he need that? No, he's embracing that challenge. So he gets here, and he's doing it. And the night that he passes Kobe Bryant, who most people, like, I might say Magic, I might say Jerry West, I might say Kareem, but let's face it, if you're under the age of 40, you think Kobe Bryant's the greatest Laker of all time. Mm -hmm. And there's people that are in their 50s that think that Kobe Bryant's the greatest Laker of all time. So the night that you pass Kobe in his hometown, 12 hours later, Kobe dies, right? Tonight, in the house that Kobe built, the Staples Center, the Lakers and the Clippers postponed their game because it was all too much. Now, on this podcast, we've talked about the fact that, I mean, we can have opinions. I think the Clippers are the best team in basketball if they're healthy, mm-hmm. okay? Playing in that same building. And quite frankly, Kawhi Leonard's game is a hell of a lot more like Kobe Bryant's than LeBron James's is. He's in that building, yeah, too. I mean, you could argue that Kawhi and Kobe's relationship is probably stronger than any other active player right now. I yeah. mean, they work out together all the time, every summer. Okay, so think about all this, pers- all this as we're laying all this out. So the LeBron just said, I am taking on the responsibility of your legacy. And this is after everything that he knows that he's already taken on. But the heaviness of what happened Saturday night, what it meant to him, and then 12 hours later, Kobe's dead. And then he is saying, I will take on this responsibility of you, who most people think is the greatest Laker, and I will persevere. In that building that you built, and he probably knows the Clippers are a better team all around. The basketball story that is about to unfold over the next three or four months could be astonishing. It would be extraordinary. It would be extraordinary for that guy to now put the entire legacy of Kobe Bryant on his back and go win a championship in that building and have to beat the Clippers in their building too, and it's his building, and he's telling the world – that he's taking on that challenge. I'm just floored by all mm. of this. Yeah, like I can't even fathom what we are about to see in the wake of this. And I'm I'm devastated for LeBron too because everything that you described that would make it honestly probably the coolest thing that has ever happened in the NBA is also accompanied by an extremely unreasonable unimaginable amount of pressure yes to be the face of that team two years ago whenever he went to la there were fans that were like putting up a lebron mural and then painting over it with a kobe mural i mean this is not a city that was that is ready to give lebron anything. it's kobe city this is kobe's I mean, place even a guy like leonardo dicaprio is like la will never be the same yeah they have lebron in their town la will never be the same yeah and, and that's not hyperbole. And he chose to go there. And he chose that's that's Michael Young's point. Yeah. Michael Young's like, hey, as I'm sitting here processing, you know, how much I love Kobe and all this stuff, I'm blown away by what LeBron James is taking yeah. on. And he knew that that was going to be the case. Yes. But he did it anyway. And he helped get another really, really, really good player there to to join him on the journey. And now And now you know, he's he, saying, I'm taking on yeah. your legacy, the responsibility of your legacy. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but this is, he built the house, right? Or he, whatever. You made the bed. 
by going to the Lakers, mm-hmm. but then you're dealt this, which is obviously you can never ever imagine that this would happen ever where now it's not only the responsibility of chasing another chasing another legend right yeah. he was chasing mj for his whole career now he's chasing kobe in la yep but now you're doing it when kobe's gone yep in the middle of the season where you're one of the best teams in the nba and now you your individual legacy if you want to even call it that is on the line but also you're trying to help heal a fan base who lost their dirk i mean that's impossible. It's impossible. And he is going to have to do it. If he does this, I mean, okay, if he does, like, all these conversations, and I, I, you know, I think I've told you my theory on this when people are like, who's the greatest of all time? And I'm like, man, you're splitting the hairs of greatness. I'll go win championships with any of these guys you're yelling about. Mm. Give me all of them. Give me any of them. Give me one of them. I'll go win. Like, you can argue that all. It doesn't matter. When you're at that level, you are splitting tiny fractions of hairs of brilliance. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Having said all that, if he goes and does this, this is the greatest achievement in NBA history. Yeah, this blows 3-1 against the Warriors out of the water. Yeah. I mean. This is a guy who went to eight straight finals, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And he's, what, 35? He's the 11th oldest player in the NBA. He's having one of his best seasons ever on the most dominant team in the West. In his second season in the West, one year removed from being on a lottery team. And now he's on another mission, a- as if he needs more motivation, man. Right. I mean, he was able to lead a 3-1 a deficit comeback in the finals against the best team of all time with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and yeah. J.R. J. Smith and yeah. Tristan Thompson. Right. And now he is going to take on the challenge of carrying a franchise out of despair i mean just what's worse than despair i mean emptiness emptiness yeah there's a there's a hole left in the being a mav fan in the 90s yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean this is this is an impossible task that he's taken on but what an extraordinary story man i'm happening in hollywood of all places yeah i never thought that i would root for the lakers but here we are here we are if the mavs are not going to win the championship give me the lakers yeah i was actually i mean i love the clippers yeah not like historic i'm saying this version it would be cool to see lou will and montrez win the title yeah it would be and i'm I'm a believer in doc and i'm not just saying that because of the nice thing i've always liked doc Mm -hmm. i've always enjoyed and man you know him and harper tight yeah and there's be there'll be times during games where harper will get a text from doc who's watching on nba TV. oh yeah i mean they're tight they're they're boys that's cool um doc is very likable doc is very very likable. likable This has nothing to do with that incredible – that thing he did for Dirk was just emblematic of Doc. Yeah. That's just another thing of that's what that guy yeah. is. Yeah, and if if you need – if, if there's any doubt what Doc did for Dirk and then how Doc was just completely overcome with emotion when talking about Kobe the other yeah. day, that is a dude who cares about the NBA, the yep. sport, and these guys. Yep. I mean, that's – he he gets it, if yep. you want to say it that way. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Are, are we done here? Um, yeah, I guess real quick before we get out of here, uh, the Mavs, of course, lose 133-104 to Phoenix. Uh, pretty dispiriting effort, I have to say. But they have a game on Friday against Houston at Houston, and then it's back home against Atlanta. Yes. Luka versus Trey Young. Um, there are, I think, eight games left before the All-Star break. I want to say – Let's win them all. Yeah, I want to say five of them are against teams with losing records. 
I feel like um, there's a Charlotte game mixed in there and a Memphis. Memphis. Who's, they're they're under five hundred, but they're, they're really good. Butt. Yeah, and uh, of course Houston. This might be a good time to play Houston, but then again, Eric Gordon just scored what fifty the On other 22 night. Twenty-two shots. Dude. Yeah, I mean, so you never know. And with a game like this too, you never know what's going to happen. You can't take an opponent for granted, obviously. But I will say, I think that the the best thing that can happen to this team right now is having two days off. Mm-hmm. I agree. To get away, I, close the facility tomorrow, yep. go home. I hear you, dude. Sleep all day. Yep. Turn your phone off and just just live, man. Come just back and then have a short flight on mm. Thursday. Yeah, let's go beat Houston's ass. Yeah, and then play some basketball. Yeah, that, is that game on national TV? I think so. I think it's is. A, will it also be on side Fox? by side? Yep. Okay. They'll have the Fox broadcast. All right, so as catch well. it on Fox if you're local. If you're yep. national, you still get a chance to watch. So that'll yep. be good. And it's a it's a way to, it's a way to bounce back, man. I I think that it was probably. I don't know. I go back and forth on whether playing is good. I, I'm not one to say that they should cancel the games because what I think doesn't matter, and it's what the NBA thinks. But mm-hmm. a lot of the players played, and I think that. Ultimately, it was probably good for them to get them out of the house and onto the floor. Chat was talking about that a little bit. That's their safe space. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, that's where you go. You had to you... cancel the Clipper Laker game. Yeah, though. for that sure. That thing couldn't have been played. For sure. And and there are guys that, that didn't play. CP3 didn't play. And yeah. I respect that. Right. I would have respected if whatever. Yeah. Luca or KP didn't want to yep, play. Yep, I would have respected yep. it. But they did. And I think that even if, even if your one safe space in life is not a safe place to go because your idol's gone mm-hmm. and he lived there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I still think it's good to, to do it. And so playing yesterday was good. Playing tonight, maybe it was a bad time to have a back-to-back because I think <laughs> yesterday <laughs> yesterday drained them pretty good. Yeah. You could see just in their faces after the game and in the way the game was played, It was and, and especially tonight. I mean, this, this game was just awful yeah. all around. Um, but, yeah, two days off and then it's back at it, man. Back so hopefully uh, next week – uh, hopefully we'll have some some happier times ahead of us. We better. God, yeah. I can't take much more. Yeah, it's been tough around here lately. But yeah. um, trade deadline's coming up. All-star break is after that. So things are things are probably going to look pretty different around here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, save it the basketball while you can because after the all-star break, it's business time, and that's when things start getting real. I'm going to put on my business socks. You're you're wearing a suit right now. I gotta say, you look pretty dapper, and I, I I know the purple man. I, My wife it was picked a nice this touch. Out. Yeah, yeah. It was, wifey, it was a nice touch. wifey got me. Yeah. Um, skin, love you, man. Love you too, dog. Hug the ones you love. Um, I think I there's a '60s song called "Love the One You're With." But I love. think it's about '60s free love. That's probably oh. a bad way to end the podcast. I love you platonically. <laughs> a lot. I, lo- I love you a lot platonically. Um, Bye, America. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see you guys next week. It's numbers on the boards.